Today, uh, I want to start with just a time of prayer. And um, I realize the clock is ticking on how much, uh, how much time we have before your little ones maybe lose it, okay? And so uh, I know that preachers can just, yeah, I get it, all right? So, um, so I do want to pray, though, to begin. And so uh, if you would, join me in prayer. Father, you tell us to cast all of our cares on you, and we want to bring some of those to you now. God, we know that there are people in our church with heavy burdens, financial burdens, relationships that are burdensome. Maybe they have physical burdens. And God, we ask that you would provide for these needs in your loving kindness. God, we know that there are many people in our communities and in our church family who are traveling this week. And so we ask that you would provide safety and rest and refreshment for those people. God, we pray for our nation this weekend. God, we want to thank you for the freedom that we can experience in our country. God, we know that all life is sacred to you because you are the author of life. And so God, we thank you for the steps that have been taken to protect human life and to make our nation more just. We ask that you'd help us to be a nation of liberty and justice for all. God, for our leaders, nationally and locally in government, we ask that you would give them wisdom from above as they lead. Help them to be great listeners, especially to those who disagree with them. Guide our leaders to make decisions that promote life and flourishing. God, we also pray for other nations this morning. Our most important citizenship is in heaven. And as citizens of heaven, we want to remember your mission in the world is for all the nations of the earth. So God, as there is conflict right now in Ukraine, between Ukraine and Russia, as there's conflict between Taiwan and China, God, we ask that you would bring peace there. God, as Israel has a new prime minister, we ask that you would give him wisdom. God, in the midst of the various things going on around the world, we ask that you would protect and strengthen your church, help the gospel to advance. God, we also want to pray for our church this morning, that we would love you, that we would love one another, and that we would love our neighbors as ourselves. It's in Jesus' name that I ask. Amen. Well, this afternoon, uh, my family and I fly to Tennessee for vacation for a couple weeks. And that got me thinking about just how great Tennessee is and how much I love Tennessee um, growing up there. And I wonder if you've ever been homesick. Have you ever been homesick before? Maybe you were just at school for a really long time during the day and you're like, can't wait to go home. Maybe you went to camp and you missed home. Maybe you went to college and you missed home. Uh, That happened for me. I had never really experienced homesickness, I had thought, until I got to college. I grew up in Tennessee, but I went to college in Chicago, didn't know a single person. And after a couple months, I was miserable and I just missed home. And there were smells that I missed. There were people that I missed. There were routines that I didn't even know that I cared about that I missed. And just by being away from home, suddenly I didn't know who I was. And it's like, I, I didn't feel like people, people knew the real me. 
Um, maybe you've experienced that. Maybe that's how you've felt being stationed somewhere besides home. Uh, maybe you had to be stationed somewhere for a period of time and that was a difficult season for you. Maybe your kids have left home and by nature of them leaving, there's a part of you that feels like it's missing now and so you miss them. Uh, maybe you um, know someone who, or maybe this is you and you moved out of your home into uh, some kind of care facility or assisted living facility. Uh, I used to go visit my grandmother uh, in this assisted living home and she would just say, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. Um, maybe the environment that you grew up in was not a safe environment for you. And so you had a homesickness that wasn't even as much for a place that you knew, but a place that you could imagine. And, and so there was part of you that just was sick to go to that place. Have you ever been homesick? Homesickness is not so much about just a place as it is a feeling. Um, Studies indicate that the reason we miss home is because home represents the place where we feel comfortable and secure. Um, There's this researcher named Miranda Van Tilburg, Uh, She's done a lot of studying about the the feeling of homesickness. And she says, home becomes our security blanket in a way. So so that if something happens, we can run home and just be ourselves. When you're home, you're secure, she says. And homesickness is not about just a place. It's about that feeling of comfort. There was this woman who graduated uh, from grad school and she moved to a new city to get a job. And she said, in that city, I was surrounded by the same group of people. Now that I'm here, I'm homesick for a city that almost doesn't exist in a way. Because most of my friends that made it what it was are gone. She recognizes that she's homesick for something, but she couldn't even go back to the city where she's from because it's not a place that she really misses. It's the people, but the people aren't there anymore. And so that thing that she felt in grad school is gone. And so that's sad to her. Home is the place where you can take a deep breath and say, everything's going to be all right. Do you have a place like that? Do you have a group of people like that? Does the earth feel that way to you? Everything's going to be all right. When our world feels not all right, when things feel not the way that they should be, we get homesick. We want to go home. And that is the situation in Psalm 84. If you have a Bible, Psalm 84 is where we'll be today. In Psalm 84, these people called the sons of Korah are writing. And they're away from Jerusalem. They're missing God's home, the temple. These are people who their job is to work in the temple and to write songs for the temple. And for whatever reason, the author of this psalm is away from Jerusalem. And he misses it. 
Many scholars think that the psalm we looked at last week, Psalm 42, is written by the same person as Psalm 84, just in a different emotional state. And so here the psalmist is missing home. And so Psalm 84 is describing this homesickness for God's home. And in one sense, Psalm 84 is completely unrelatable for us. Uh, We are not Israelites. Uh, We have never worshiped in the temple. We've never made sacrifices in the temple. We've never worked for the temple and we never will because the temple in Jerusalem has been destroyed. And so in one sense, Psalm 84, completely unrelatable. But in another sense, Psalm 84 can actually reveal the homesickness that's in all of us. And so today, we're going to quickly walk through this psalm and see two things. First, that we all miss home. And second, that we can all be welcomed home. So, Psalm 84, verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she places her young near your altars, Lord of armies, my King and my God. How happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually. The psalmist says the home that he misses is God's home. And he tells us why. Because God's home is lovely. Isn't it lovely? What makes God's home so lovely? It's a home of love. It's a home of rest. It's a home of safety. People are known and cared for in this home. People are free from burdens and stress and conflict in this home. And people are safe in this home. They're safe from attack. They're safe from disaster. They're safe from pain and from death. And God's home is a home designed for all people. Verse three, he says, even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow, which is this little uh, bird, I guess, a nest for herself. So he's saying these tiny little birds even find a home in God's home. God's home is such a loving place. It's such a restful place. It's such a safe place that even tiny little birds are secure there. And birds are a metaphor for people, for little people, people that the world would look at and say, ah, we don't care if they come over. Uh, Who else you got? People that the world looks at and says, ah, they're just mm, the least of people find a home in God's home. It is a lovely home. And so the psalmist says, that's where I want to be. 
That's the home I want to be in. And the Bible says that this is the home that we were all designed for. God's home, a home of love and rest and safety is the home that we were all designed for. In the beginning, here's the story of the Bible. It says that God created the heavens and the earth and everything that God made was good. And God designed humans, men and women in his image. And he designed them in such a way that they would be at home with him, that they would live with him, that they would be together with him. And in that home with him, there would be perfect peace between humanity and God, between humanity and one another, and between humanity and nature, creation. That is what humans were designed for. The problem is that we have all run away from home. Our first parents ran away. And the way that they ran away is they listened to the word of the serpent rather than listening to the word of God. And we do the same thing now. All of us run away from home. God says, you should be kind. We say, yeah, but people are losers. And so we should show them how idiotic they really are. God says you should be generous. We say, yeah, but if we give our stuff away, we're not going to have enough. So we should really look out for ourselves and our own interests. And our desire to run away from home creates all kinds of dysfunction. It creates dysfunction for ourselves and it creates dysfunction for the world. Think about this. Our homes are full of dysfunction, lying, hate, adultery, greed, slander, gossip, guilt and shame, feelings of worthlessness, uncontrolled anger, brokenness, negative cycles and patterns that get repeated from generation to generation. These are things that describe our home. That is not the kind of home we were designed for. And we also in our home experience dysfunctional environments. There are injuries and disease and death. There's poverty in homes. There's racism. There's violence. There's divorces. There's absent fathers. This is not how it should be. But these things are because in each of us, we run away from home. We run away from the home that God has designed. The story of the Bible is the story of God bringing us back home. And the way that God does that is he calls this man named Abraham to leave his home and go to a new home, a home that he doesn't actually learn to see in his lifetime. He doesn't live to see it, but he was looking forward to the home that God was building. And God used Abraham's family to build a family that would build a home 
for the world. God used Abraham's family. They're known as the Israelites. They ended up as slaves in Egypt, but God rescued them out of slavery through his servant, Moses. And Moses was given instructions about how to build a home. It was called a tabernacle. It was the place where God would live with humanity. Eventually, that tabernacle was moved into a city called Jerusalem, the place that this psalmist is longing for. And eventually that tabernacle was made permanent and built into this beautiful building called a temple by a king who lived in Jerusalem named Solomon. And this temple was to be a house of prayer for all nations. In other words, a place where all the peoples of the earth could come and meet with God and experience life as God designed, life of love and rest and safety. But for one reason or another, this psalmist is away from that place. And he knows it. And he misses it. And so he's in the world of dysfunction. And he thinks about life as he knows it. And he says, don't you miss home? Don't you miss home? And if you have ever looked at your life and, and wondered, why is there all this dysfunction? It shouldn't be this way. Then deep down, even if it was unknown to you, deep down, you were homesick, just like the psalmist. Underneath all of the questions that you have about life is the question, how do I get back home? Because as I look at life the way that it's designed, it doesn't seem to be right. This isn't how it's supposed to be. How do I get back home? That's the question underneath all questions. How can we as broken sinners living in a broken world get back to life in God's home? The psalmist doesn't give us the full answer, but he does give us a clue about what it looks like to head home. Look at verse five. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, God, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage or literally whose hearts are a highway to God's home. Is your heart leading you back home or away from home? How do you know? In your heart, is there pride or humility? Humility is the road that leads home. In your heart, is there bitterness or forgiveness? Forgiveness is the road that leads home. In your heart, is there self-indulgence or self-denial? Self-denial is the road that leads home. In your heart, is there hiding or is there openness and confession? Openness and confession is the road that leads home. The psalmist says, happy are those 
whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage, whose hearts are a highway. Jesus says, blessed are the humble. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Jesus is saying the same thing the psalmist says. That in our hearts, our hearts are either leading us home or away from home. These people whose hearts are set on home, verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. That is, there's strength for the journey because we're almost home. How great will it be when we get home is what they're thinking. And so even when they go through the Valley of Tears, even when they go through the desert, it's like little springs just pop up because they're on their way home. Verse seven, they go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. That is, they will make it home. And as they go home, they're thinking of home. And it leads them to say, verse 10, better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. As they're walking home, they're thinking, we're going to get home. It's going to be great when we're home. Home is awesome. I would rather be a servant at home than have all the privilege in the world in my home. It's This home is so great, it would be better to just stand at the threshold. That is, to be a servant there. And so they can't wait to get home. And on their way, it says, verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. He provides light, joy, warmth, and life. And he provides the answer to all fear and defeat. He's a sun and shield. The Lord grants favor and honor or grace and glory. He does not withhold the good for those who live with integrity. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of armies. In other words, the person who's longing for home, the person who's making this journey home, they will be welcomed home. So how do we come home? The psalmist gives us a little clue in verse 8 and 9. Lord, God of armies, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob. Consider our shield. Look on the face of your anointed one. Now, it's kind of confusing because he refers to God as a shield in verse 11. But here, verse 9, he's referring not to God as the shield, but to the king. He says, look on the face of your anointed one. Here is what the psalmist is praying. The psalmist recognizes, I want to be home. I got to get home. Got to get back to Jerusalem. That's where God's home is. But he realizes that the only way the home will continue to be the home it's supposed to be, 
The only way the temple will continue to be the temple that it's designed to be is if the king continues to be the king that he's supposed to be. The future of God's home in Jerusalem rises and falls on the king. And that was bad news for God's home in Jerusalem because the kings all ran away from home. But God has answered this psalmist's prayer. He has considered the king. He has looked on the face of his anointed one. And he has done it by looking on the face of Jesus. Jesus is the answer to God's, I'm sorry, to the psalmist's prayer for God to look on the face of the king. Jesus is God's answer. Jesus is the king of all kings who builds the home of all homes. Jesus came as the one who can lead us back to a home of love and rest and security. And the way that we make our way home is we consider the king. We look on the face of the anointed one. We trust in him. Jesus makes it possible for all who have run away to come home. This story reminds me, I'm sorry, this psalm reminds me of a story that I'm sure you're familiar with in Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells the story of this son who runs away from home. Before he leaves, he takes all of his dad's money half of it. And he runs and then he wastes it all on foolish living. Things like drugs and alcohol and prostitutes and gambling and just stuff that everybody knows that's a poor investment. He wastes it all. He ends up working in a distant land with pigs He finds himself wanting to eat the pig's food, and then he realizes, wait a minute. Even the servants in dad's home are better off than this. And so he starts to head home. And on the way, he's got a speech that he's rehearsing. And he knows that he's forfeited the right to be a son, and so he's willing to be a servant. Even A servant in your house is better than working over here. Better is just one day in your house, dad, than a thousand over here. I would rather stand at the threshold of your house, dad, than live in the tents of wicked people. But when he's still a long ways off, his dad sees him coming home and his dad comes to him. And before the son can even get through the speech, do you know what the dad does? He goes and gets a robe, sandals, a ring, 
He says, we're going to deck you out with honor. He shows him favor and honor, and he does not withhold the good. And he welcomes him back home as a son, not a servant. And that is what your heavenly father has done for you. The way that he has come running to you down the road is he has sent his son, Jesus, the king that you need, the one who can take your hand and lead you back home. And so the question for you to wrestle with today, if you ever find yourself looking at the world, looking at your life and thinking, just things aren't supposed to be this way. You're right. You were designed to be in God's home. The question for you is, what are you doing about that homesickness? My hope for you is that you would come to your senses today. Just as the son in Luke 15 did, just as the psalmist had in Psalm 84, that you would come to your senses and realize, I am meant to be with God. I hope that you would fix your eyes on home and make your home look like your real home. And I hope that as you live your life, that you would have hope because you're almost home. There's a day coming when Jesus will return where heaven and earth will be reunited, where God's dwelling place will be with humanity again. We're almost home. In the meantime, look to Jesus, the one who has come to lead us home. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, We thank you for the honesty of the Psalms. God, I pray that you would grow a homesickness in us. I pray that you would help us to see that we were designed to be with you in your home. God, I pray that you would help us to trust your son. I pray that you would help this church to be a small little foretaste like a little sample of what your home is like. But God, we don't want to settle. We want to keep our eyes up. We want to think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. But God, we know that when Christ appears, we will also appear with him in glory in our new home. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing this old song with us?